This morning, we're going to be talking about the subject, outliving your life. D.L. Moody said this. He said, where I was born and where and how I lived is unimportant. It is what I have done with where I have been that should be of interest. 2 Samuel 14, 14 says, we all must die. We are all like water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Job 14.1 says, man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. Psalm 78.39, speaking uh, God here, he said, he remembered that they were but flesh a wind that passes and comes not again. Psalms 103, 15 says, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place it knows no more. James 4, 14 says, You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes. And lastly, Psalms 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. There's one common theme in all those verses, and that's this. Life is short. What will you leave behind? Max Lucado tells a story in his book, Outlive Your Life. Unfavorable winds blow the ship off course. And when they do, sailors spot uncharted islands. And the captain orders the men to drop anchor and to go ashore. At the first island, he sees nothing but sadness, underfed children, tribes in conflict, no farming, food development, no treatment for the sick, no schools, just simple needy people. The second and following islands reveal more of the same. And the captain sighs at what he sees. This is no life for these people. But what can he do? And then he steps on the last and the largest island. And the people are healthy and they're well-fed. Irrigation systems nourish the fields. uh, Roads connect the villages. And the children have uh, bright eyes and strong bodies. And the captain asks the chief for an explanation. How has this island moved so far ahead of the others? And the chief answers, Father Benjamin. He educated us in everything from farming and health. He built schools and clinics and he dug wells. And the captain asks, can you take me to see him? I want to meet this Father Benjamin. The chief nods and they begin to guide the captain over a jungle ridge to a simple but expansive medical clinic. They're clean beds staffed with trained caretakers and they show the captain shelves of medicine and introduce him to the staff. The captain's impressed but he sees nothing of Father Benjamin and repeats his request. I would like to see Father Benjamin. And the chief and the others look puzzled and they whisper to each other for a minute and then they turn to the captain again and say, follow us to the other side of the island. They walk ashore until they see a 
series of fish ponds. And canals connect these ponds to the ocean. And as the tide rises, the fish are captured in these ponds and then harvested. And again, the captain's amazed at all this progress. But he sees nothing of Father Benjamin. So the captain again asks to see Father Benjamin, to see where he lives. The chief looks at the captain with confusion, but then says, well, let's go to the mountain. And once they reach the top of that mountain, the captain sees this modest, grass-roofed chapel. And the chief replies, he taught us about God. Inside the church is a wooden cross, a Bible, and several rows of benches. And the captain asks, is this where Father Benjamin lives? And the men nod and they smile. Well, may I talk to him? The men's faces suddenly grow serious. Oh, that would be impossible. The captain asks, why? Well, he died many years ago. The bewildered captain stares at the men and he said, I asked to see him and you showed me the clinic and the fish farms and now this chapel and you said nothing of his death. And the chief says, you didn't ask me about his death. You asked to see where he lives and we showed you. Life is short. What will you leave behind after you die? This thing called life is weird, right? Let's start back at the beginning. Let's remember back where life all started. Learning to walk, learning to talk, smelling crayons, eating glue. And then all of a sudden, you're out of diapers and you're into childhood. And you begin to notice that guys aren't girls and cats aren't dogs and pizza is sure better than spinach. And then somewhere in the midst of all of it, it hits you. Maybe it was at your grandpa's funeral. Maybe it's when you waved goodbye to someone that you knew you wouldn't see for a long time. And you realize that life is more than homework and pimples and sleepovers. This is life. And before you know it, you're neck deep in it. You have a life. You didn't request one, but you have one. A first day and a final day and a few thousand in between. You have a life and you have been given that life. God chose you and it wasn't an accident and no one else will have your version of life. You will never meet someone who will have your exact blends of loves and wants and needs. Your life will never be lived by someone else. And we only have one. And it seems like the moment you realize that you had a life that someone pressed on the accelerator and the longer you live, the faster days go by. One day is gone, the next one arrives, past is past, and the good old days are gone. And life is racing by. And if we aren't careful, you and I will look up and our shot at it will have left us behind. But see, some people never bother with such thoughts. They never bother to look up from the grind of their days. Eyes glued to a screen of some type, bills to pay, checks to cash. And they live and they die and they never ask why. But see, you're not like this. You want to live a life that's better than that. You want to live a life that matters. You want to live a life in such a way that the world was glad that you did. But how can you? 
How can I? Can God use us? Can we make a difference? There are 120 answers to that question in Acts 1, 15. It says, in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. The 120 original members of the first New Testament church, just a few weeks after Jesus died and rose again, over 2,000 years ago, That's where it all started, this thing called Christianity, this thing called being a Jesus follower. It all started there with those 120 people. Well, how do we get from there to a church on every corner in America? They weren't rich or powerful. They weren't super Christians. These were fishermen and tax collectors, slaves, male and female, well-off and poverty-stricken. But these people that God used to start the first church were no different than you or I. But without them, we wouldn't have what we have today. We wouldn't have the Bible. We wouldn't have a church to go to. Without them, we would be destined for hell with no hope. But see, they were more than just cultural Christians. It was more than just tradition or self-help or being a good person. This was their life. They sacrificed everything for it. And they live on through us in Clarksburg Baptist Church. But see, what can we do? Can we really make a difference? Can our life live on after we die? Our generation is the wealthiest Christian generation of all time. We're smart, we're educated, we can travel the world in 24 hours, we can send a message instantly. We have the best medicine and doctors at the tip of our fingers. But see, around the world, there are 1.3 billion people that are desperately poor, living on a dollar a day. 800 million people are hungry. Millions are trafficked in slavery. Two million children a year are sold into the sex trade. In the last five minutes, 90 children have died from preventable diseases, things that we have a cure for. Six million African people died of malaria, measles, and even uh, something as simple as diarrhea in the last year. Things that could be cured in just a single inexpensive shot. We have all we can eat plus some. Did you know if, that, if 2% of the world's grain was given to all the starving nations of the world that we could erase the problem of hunger and malnutrition in the world? We have enough food to feed the hungry. We have enough bedrooms to house every single orphan in the world. There are 145 million orphans in the world today. And just in the United States, there's 236 million Christians So statistically, this generation of Christians could wipe out uh, the problem of orphans in the world. Now, obviously, not every Christian family could do that. But let's just say 6% of Christians adopted a child from a country stricken with the disease and malnutrition. We could make a huge difference in this world. 14.1 million children who have been orphaned by the AIDS epidemic could have Christians' homes if just 6% of Christians in America would adopt a child. 
Now, wouldn't that be a, a welcomed headline for Christians today? That uh, Christians stand up for AIDS orphans instead of the things that we are known for in the world today. See, we have to be much more than just pro-birth. We have to support adoption. We have to support places like Life Choices. Because we have to care about all life, not just before birth, but after birth. Because we are all made in the image of God and all life has value. Now, these are solutions to difficult problems and they're very much simplified. And I just made it seem real easy that we could solve all these problems. But the point is, is that we are blessed as a nation and we can make a difference. You are blessed as a Christian in America, but we are hoarding our resources. God has given our generation everything we need to drastically change the course of history forever. But there are more problems than just physical problems in the world. There are spiritual problems as well. Did you know of, uh, that as of 2015, there was approximately uh, 6,000 900 languages that are spoken by the 7.5 billion people on earth. And of those 7,000 languages, less than half have the Bible in their language. Even in America, our society is increasingly becoming unfamiliar with Jesus. There are people that you know that will die and go to hell. But there are also people across the world from countries that you have never even heard of that will die and go to hell. We have more resources than ever as a church, but I fear that we are also more distracted and less committed than ever. Tori and I watch a show called uh, the, the Curse of Oak Island. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's on the History Channel. And uh, it's all about this island in Nova Scotia where for 200 years, people have been searching for a treasure mainly in this one place that they deem the money pit, which you can guess why. For 200 years, people have poured millions and millions and millions of dollars trying to find this treasure on Oak Island. People have come and gone. They've died. But I don't know about you. I want more than just for my life's legacy to be an empty hole in the ground. James 4.14 you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is life? For you are a mist that appears for just a little time and then vanishes. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Life is too short. Stop living in the past. You only have this moment that you live in right now. This is the only moment that you can change. James tells us that our life is like steam coming off a pot. You see it and it's gone. Psalms 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This verse challenges us to keep track of our days, to pay attention to the passing of time. The average American gets 28,470 days. That's what the average American gets to live. If you're of the age 39, that means you have 14,235 days left. Parents, if you don't number 
your days, your kids will grow up in a blink. It'll be tomorrow and they'll be graduating college. Students, no one has more potential than you if you number your days. Now, there is one group of people that I do know that does a very good job of numbering their days, and that's prisoners. They have been known to make tallies on their walls to mark the passing of time. And we need to do that. We need to take a tally and ask, what have I done that will live past my life? You and I can't fix all the terrible problems and suffering in the world. But I can make sure that I can live on after I die. I can make sure I live for more than just a golf course in retirement. I want to leave more than just a headstone. I want to make a difference with these days that I have been given. And not all of us will change the course of an island. But God has something for your life, something bigger than you that can last past your life. I want to outlive my life. See, you didn't request one, but you have one. A first day and a final day and a few thousand in between. You have a life. What are you going to do with it? Every head's bowed and eyes closed. Too many of us, life just happens to us. Instead of being intentional, I know I still feel like just yesterday I was graduating high school. I'm 34 years old now. And in another blink, I'll be 60. In another blink, I'll be 80. And if I am not intentional with each and every day and every moment, then I'm going to waste this thing that God's given us. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. What are you doing right now that will live past your life? One of the best ways to make that type of difference is invest in people. Do something outside of yourself. See, God made us that way. There's a reason it says it's better to give than receive. Because God made us to be givers, but in our society and in our culture, we're screamed at all the time that we need to worry about ourselves and we need to do more to take care of ourselves. We need to do what we want to do. It's ingrained in being an American that we are independent and we don't want to think outside of ourselves that it matters what we think because I'm an individual. The Bible tells us to love our neighbor, but it goes even farther than that. It tells us to love our enemy, do good to those that despitefully use us and take advantage of us. We can invest in people, people down the street, people across the state, people across the world. What can we do that will outlive our life. If you died today, 
And someone asked to see where you live on. What would it be? Let's take a minute to just meditate on those thoughts. And this wisdom that God's word shows us to number our days, to make every day count. And spend some time in prayer.